0: G'day to another episode of uh, the HSEQ Leaders Podcast, which isn't the HSEQ Leaders Podcast this week. It's a special ad- a special guest edition. Uh, focusing on ESG this week, and I have Joel Coward on board. Um, g'day, Joel.
1: Hello. How are you going? Good to see you. And, and I'd, I would like to say that HSC does actually sit under ESG these days, so <laughs> so it's an evolution.
0: Well, and, and look, that's why um, that's why we uh, we've teed this up um, and uh, hoping to dive into that uh, today, and and I guess what that looks yeah. like and what that evolution looks like, mate. Yeah, completely.
1: Oh, it's we good. Looking forward to
0: it. Um. Well, Joel, I know your background, mate, but uh, fill fill our listeners in. If you fill our viewers in. Give us the cliff notes uh, of your career.
1: Oh, the cliff notes. Okay, so <clears throat> really quick. Uh, mining and energy lawyer, specializing in human rights and environmental law, uh, sustainability and finance from Yale. Uh, been working in this space for about 16 years my early career and early life i started off in 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 the military and as a medic you know trying to help and protect people and then realised through that period of time through those deployments all war was for resources and so i thought well look I'll, i'll become a lawyer and i'll go and work for resource companies where you can send direct money time influence to create that you know social change that environmental change that ecological change that you want to be able to do to bring people planet, and profit together so most recently been working with uh Oz minerals uh who's been great uh as of course you know anyone who knows mining right now knows that they've been acquired by bhp and prior to that i was actually at bhp so uh which is directly behind you i see so <laughs> it's sort of quite funny to see that building um and yeah the big focus i've been looking at has been taking esg and driving it into the revenue lines and the power of esg to be able to look at it and say as a value creator not just compliance with that you know hsec has been an enormous part of it because you know health safety environment community so that they're all esg requirements and criteria so it that ability to show you know Compliance is, is a value creation opportunity, not just a cost. And we've shown that now numerous times, you know, the last few years have been really focusing on things like responsible value chains. So how you buy and operate and disclose will define how you sell and who invests to be market relevant. So, you know, moving beyond just slips, strips, and falls and, you know, why should we do it not? Because it's important. Well, it's so is sustainability. So sustainability and sustainability now should be starting merging together. So, you know, when you think about have a safety moment. It will actually probably evolve into we're having a safety and sustainability moment. So, because what you do inside the wire will impact what happens outside the wire. So, that's me. And, and I live uh, in Brisbane.
0: And, <laughs> and you're in Brisbane. Well, what, 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 you, you sort of carried on to my next question a little bit, but before we get there, tell us about you as well, John. I mean, I know, again, I know about you, but uh, what? who are you outside of the ESG world? The professional? Home? Oh,
1: who am I? Oh, I'm an aspirational surfer dog appreciator, croissant connoisseur, and hopeless souffle maker. Um, no, that's not true. It's, it's So, yeah, outside of work, uh, for me, I, I surf, I play water polo. Uh, I do a lot of volunteering work with a group that does uh, anti-landmine clearance in Laos and Cambodia, which I really, really enjoy. And that sort of harks back to my early career. Um, <clears throat> and I spend a lot of time doing a lot of work with groups like oxford um with their carbon offsetting programs um in indonesia because indonesia and southeast asia has been my bread and butter for a long time so that combination of that travel that adventure that helping people food um is sort of what i love so yeah
0: well and and you should mention as well you, you can have a, a bit of a platform to brag you do speak indonesian from from my understanding mate
1: <laughs> i do I speak, I speak indonesian that was my early career in as a linguist and um and and my early studies actually in Asian studies and Asian linguistics. So which is also then very helpful right now with what we're doing in sustainability and in, in um and critical minerals and because we look at Indonesia as a critical uh partner in that, as a regional partner and also a global player in decarbonisation because of what they're producing. So it's very exciting, you know. And if we could connect Perth and WA with Indonesia, I think we'd have something really powerful because there's some great resources in WA and there's some great resources in um, in indonesia too and
0: it's our closest our closest neighbor but uh i guess in terms of that you've been a part. is there 16 years in this space which is probably longer than most because it's an evolving yeah. it's an evolving well it's a new it's effectively it's a new word right it's a new profession although it's been around so why don't most businesses Joel, would you say we've talked about it but why don't most businesses understand esg what what's your take on that mate
1: it's complex. We've lived in an area and an environment for the last probably 15 to 20, maybe even 30 years in business of sort of simplification, you know, where where we've been able to simplify and rationalize things down to <coughs> pardon me, I'm just gonna cough. Um simplify that down economically speaking, um, and sort of oversimplified that, you know. So um and so one of the great challenges right now is is context capacity uh, capability and capacity right so the understanding when we talk about context the macro environment what's actually happening not 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 in australia not in St. george's terrorists, not in you know eagle street here in queensland but what's actually happening not just in your business but along that value chain and your role in that and the big challenge with it is is, is that environment a bit like safety has always been sort of site-based or operations-based, where you'll have someone who's a great environmental scientist who'll do water testing and air testing, and you'll maybe have someone do, you know, some, you know, First Nations engagement, for example, or community. Um, and when you look at governance, that'll be done by some lawyers, possibly, you know, at some stage. But, but what's driving it is the disclosures now, the, the mandatory and voluntary disclosure requirements, which you need to not just keep on. You need to be able to get funding, get capital, get investors, get customers, you know. And as such, since 2015, that 2015 was really that hallmark moment that brought about, you know, Paris, the Paris Agreements, the UK Modern Slavery Act, which which does impact Australia and UK entities as well, um, and the UN Sustainability Development Goals, which most companies, most listeners, their company will have signed up to. And so since then, you've got this extremely embryonic space where you're trying to take the elements of E, S and G environment. You know, that's everything from water to climate change, completely s- similar with overlapping but, s- but advanced, s- social, human rights. That's everything from gender equity and inclusion and <clears throat> through to, you know, modern slavery and supply chains through to, you know, coal nations and community and then governance which is you know all the law around it so it's 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 advanced and it's broad it's a bit like trying to say to a doctor i need a doctor what sort of doctor a general practitioner or a brain surgeon Mm. oh actually i'm a really great orthopedic surgeon okay well that's very specialized so it's how do you then get almost like a chief of medicine in a hospital that understands all those elements but also knows how to how that implements how they operate within that business to create a going concern and going to provide health care for people. If, if I use that analogy, yeah. just if that makes sense.
0: <laughs> well, well, how do we, how, do, how does one get there, then, John? I mean, it's, it's a, it's a rare thing to be able to cover. And you're right because ESG does, you know, it's a legal background, it's financial, it's environment, yeah. sustainability, uh, safety sits under there. So how does one, or how does a professional in that sense uh, that, this is becoming more and more prevalent for? How do they increase their understanding uh, in that space?
1: That's a very good question because the challenge with it is there's not an course to do. There's not a, you know, I will become an engineer, I will become an accountant and lawyer and pilot. Um, Because of the overlap, it depends so fundamentally it's the ability to be able to say, take what you already know, take what you've got. So if you're looking at the HSEC professional right now, you know health, you know safety, you've got a good understanding of environment because you understand what happens if there's a you know dam failure or water goes into a creek or something. And you understand the basics of community. So if you're in that space already, you've actually got a really good foundation to then build on that because you understand regulations and how that applies to your operations. The big thing is, it's understanding also how the money works, how the money flows through this, right? Because it's it's about you're going to spend money, you can make money, and you can preserve money through it. So it's also having an understanding of the commercials behind it. That's really important. And one of the great challenges I see right now at the moment is there's two major groups that they're drawing sustainability professionals from right now. They tend to be very environment focused, environmental scientists or environmental engineers who've got an exceptionally good knowledge in what they do in that space. Or they're coming out at the other extremity of say, corporate affairs or external affairs who tend to be really good on things like policy and communications and that sort of stuff. And the challenge with that is you then need to understand the commerciality of it. You need to understand how contracts work. So to be honest, and I will put my bias on as a lawyer and say, Understanding, getting legal training in it, getting legal understanding of it, understanding sustainability and finance is important because you understand how that money works in the business, but also understand how you're going to enforce it. Mm. So if I use an example of (coughs) scope three emissions is going to be managed not by technology. It's going to be managed by procurement teams, through contracts, through how you buy, because that's going to influence how you buy and how you then manage and mitigate that through the relationships you've got with suppliers, for example. So that's going to be really important. So you need to understand how that procurement works. Mm -hmm. But the biggest thing is get the understanding of the business. How, Because what you do here will impact at the other end of the value chain, for example. So it's understanding that business and it's going to take time. Very few people out there at the moment have got that real, true depth of experience. There's, you know, there's some good people out there too, might I add. But you, it's going to be time and experience, understanding the business, and then how that climate strategy or that sustainability strategy, as a whole, for example, is going to be implemented and embedded in your role in it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's. There's a lot to cover there. It's, it's right. difficult. So start somewhere and learn,
0: become a master of one area and expand it um you,
1: you're going to have to be a generalist yeah that's the big thing as a generalist to understand e and all the many assets of e s all the assets of g and then how that's embedded into the business and then across that value chain so there is we we're, we're moving into the wonderful phase of how good it is to be a, and be a generalist versus a specialist because mm-hmm. you know it's the old thing about you know jack or jill of all trades is a master of none, but often better than a master of one. Mm. So, long live the generalist,
0: <laughs> especially especially in this stage of uh, space. But um, mm. where do you? I mean, where do you see it evolving to? Then I, I'm sort of jumping around here. But um, when that cap- like, do you see it evolving when that capability becomes greater in, in in a professional context, or you know, where where do you see the future?
1: <laughs> yeah, I do see it evolving. And it is evolving. When you look back over the last 16 years, you can see it evolving to sort of a fringe thing that was required regulatory just to get environmental approvals and just sort of keep the mine going or keep the factory going to now actually being growing into a space where it's a value-creating opportunity that can bring people, planet, and profit together. Where I see it going is right now is a massive learning exercise. Well, actually, there's, there's... Change goes through three cycles, as Arthur Schopenhauer said. Um, laughter, violent op- opposition, and then acceptance is self-evident. And we're, we're very much so still in the first phase of sort of laughter and derision where people are going, no, 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 this is not important. It's really not important. It's really not important until you look at every everything that a company does right now is focused on mm-hmm. sustainability. You know, every it, you pick a company, any company, anywhere. The number one priority would have moved from safety to now sustainability as a whole, mm. which includes safety, because a sustainability event, much like a safety event, will stop you producing, it will stop you manufacturing, it will stop things from occurring. It can injure and kill people. It's it it's it's a risk for the business. So. In the immediate term, I see we're in a space where we have to develop capacity to understand the macro environment, what's happening, why is important, to then build that capability. And that capability is mainly at executive and board level because upskilling them so they can understand ESG as a threat and an opportunity to then enable the capacity, the resources to do something about it. And that's the biggest thing because what you've got, and I am generalising a little bit here, but you've got those. You look at our upper leadership and upper management of companies these days, and you look at boards, and they're sort of you know boomers or early uh, you know or early exes, where this has this is very new. This hasn't been part of their entire business career, and that's okay because it's new to most people. So they're having to upskill sort of towards. And it's something that they haven't had to consider before. So now they have to. So the issue with that is how rapidly. Hmm. So that's more in the immediate term in the next one to two years. And I think that's going to be painful. I think it's a bit like, think of it like ESG is a bit like your fitness journey. Um, (laughs) What's your ESG fitness? You know, the first week or two weeks or month at the gym is painful because you're going, oh, I'm trying things I haven't tried before. I'm doing things I haven't done before. Um, I'm trying to get movement where i there's no movement. um but once you start to build that cadence up and that routine and that discipline up, what you realize is all the little things you do add up to achieve that fitness goal. this is this this is no different. Uh, like it's it's consistency and persistency over the long term. Where the big challenges, where the big shift I'm gonna see right now, I think is gonna be as companies. Because of increasing regulation around greenwashing uh, and disclosure standards and transparency around that, and transparency around value chains, modern slavery, you know, all of that sort of stuff that helps encapsulate that. We're in a space where the easy wins and PR phase look at us as a company. We're now, oh, we've committed to 2050. Well, it's you and everybody else, right? This is not new. This is now not a new thing. You're not doing anything bold. And dining out on that and, you know, and moving that PR to profit has been easy so far. Look at us. We're now sustainable, ethical. We'll prove it. And ASIC and ACCC are now moving on that one. So you, we're going to move it from a face of PR to profit to profit. Because if not, you're going to be in a state, so it's a state of PR to prosecution. So, Imagine if you were, you know, if you're looking at safety and safety stats or TRIFA, for example, and you start fudging those to the market and, you know,
0: and gets one called or out. two people
1: on site and and you go, no, 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 nothing happened there. And it gets called out. Well, then you're making false and misleading market statements to the market, for example, and then regulators and everybody's going to plus the lawsuits, plus the investors, but also the expansion of it into capital and insurance. Like safety now is something that we're seeing with banks and financiers and buy and sell side traders, and you know, it doesn't matter who it is, are looking at this as a risk, as a real risk. It's going to become part of credit rating, essentially. You know, to be able to go, actually, this is a high risk company or a high risk investment or a high risk operation because it's got poor performing sustainability and and and, and safety as well so which is also a threat and an opportunity right yeah
0: absolutely you know what what about um what about uh on that note though um i've just got two things that sort of came off that it seems that the majors are really driving it right your tier one asx companies um in particular in australia are driving and being aware of it what about you know your your I guess your smaller businesses perhaps your tier twos. I mean there's some that seem to be aware of it. Do you think it's crucial that they get on the bandwagon or do you really feel that it should be led by I guess the the giants of industry?
1: That's a really interesting point because it's because it's gonna get it's it's transitioning. Yeah. Thing is is that we always look at big business and government. And go, oh, they're going to lead us to the promised land. They're going to be the the change makers. The challenge with it is, is actually going to be the small to mid tier operators, your small businesses, or your small to mid tier miners, for example, who are going. To, we're going to see the most growth and changing because they're going to have to remember if you're a you know a, a, a factory or you're a manufacturer and you're supplying to someone, you're in someone's value chain. you you're so and the first thing. The next person above you in that value chain is going to say, what are you doing about sustainability? What are you doing about safety? What are you doing about um, human rights and modern slavery? What are you doing about scope three emissions?" So it's actually going to have to move quickly on it. But the benefit that you've got as a small to medium business is the ability to adapt, implement, embed, and move on from it versus a big... Yeah. yeah absolutely you can integrate it quickly into principles and policy to process to practice the proof to profit faster than a and a big house has which is got a lot of administration and a lot of bureaucracy around it and you know so and also because smaller businesses have more connected to their customers so they'll listen to their customers demands i mean it's that's just the natural and we'll see this particularly in critical minerals so we one of the core things with decarbonization is critical minerals so copper and nickel and vanadium and all those things you need to make batteries and solar panels for example everybody's looking at the big houses right now to say oh yes they're going to move in this direction the challenge with it is is, is it's actually going to be the small to mid-tier miners who are going to be the real change makers one because there's more of them and two their access to capital will be dependent absolutely on their ESG performance. You know, if you're a big, big mining house, you know, pick one of the four or five big ones around us, the their access to commercial banking is they don't need to. If they want to build a new mine or buy a company or do whatever, they'll just do a bond raising or a capital raising, whatever that might be. Um, relatively straight, straightforward. But if you're a small to mid-tier miner, in you know, 100 million 50 to 100 or 200 or 500 million market cap for example you are you're going to have to go to a commercial bank in most cases and they're going to put conditions on you will perform on sustainability decarbonization and human rights boom mm. not if it's happening now and you, a great example of that was the port in newcastle a couple of years ago i think it was nab was was lending to them. Mm. and modern slavery provisions in their port expansions for about 500 million dollars so that's where the change is going to be um I, I, I see the bigger houses are gonna the challenges is overcoming themselves in the bureaucracy and and that's and that's the same as you know whether it's a big company or a government agency for example um that that's just systematic and change always takes a lot longer but the first to move, the fast movers in it, will get the benefits of it. We've seen that time and time again. So that that's an enormous. There's a being small doesn't necessarily mean but, yeah. this
0: amazing ability to grow and capture this opportunity right now. Mm. I think that's. I think that's probably a trick that a lot of businesses are missing. So, uh, but I've got, I've got. I've got one question. One question for you, Joel. am contrast of your time, mate. But how? How would you? I can see your your ability to influence, right? And there's, I guess, right now it's going. <laughs> but you know, in terms of leadership, right? How do you influence that? How do you start having those conversations to see like, to to I guess explain it, the importance of it? How would you go about it now? I mean, you've got a, a tool chest, I, I'm sure, but how do you go about explaining that outside of this conversation? I guess to to senior leaders really simple right
1: it's a bit like mental health the the thing that the best thing that ham out of COVID or one there's some good stuff that a lot of bad but there's some good stuff too was the and this is also important that when we look at HSEC is is mental health right Mm -hmm. mental health and how we approach that it ain't wait and one of the big things that's also taught us is vulnerability Mm. and that it's okay To be vulnerable. It's okay to be imperfect. It's okay to say, "Yeah, I I got problems." And one of the big challenges is is when we start to talk about ESG and sustainability, especially in really big organisations, or you know, depending who you're talking to, is the fact that they might not know. They probably don't know, and as such, they don't want to look stupid, or they don't want to look like they don't know what they're talking about, or you know, or they're going to look like they've made a mistake. And it's that space, the number one thing we come to is the first conversation we've had, and I can, from some of the biggest mining houses, talk to the execs there when you turn up and you say, it's okay not to know. It's okay not to be okay. If you don't know, that's okay. No wonder. And do this together. Everybody's in on the same boat, on the same level. And you get them in together to have that discussion and say, right. And build that capability very slowly but consistency. Remember, we're going to the gym. You don't need to run a marathon on day one today. We're just gonna figure out how the machines work. Mm. Then the next day we're gonna to speak to someone who does know, like a personal trainer, and we're gonna get a we're gonna get a fitness regime, we're gonna get a gym program. Great. And we can start measuring and tracking that performance on that. We're gonna start doing it. We're gonna get some help from them to and then, and that's literally how it is, is, is start building it. But it's that thing to be able to say, problems are good. We will find problems. In actual fact, and we also know what we know, we know what we don't know, we, we'll have to figure out the rest. And through that, it's accepting that things will change as information, new information arises. So, you know, a great example was one of the best Corporate leaders I've seen in many years is Andrew Cole, who was the former CEO of Aus Minerals. Great person. When we were talking about scope three baselining, for example, you know, the, what's the emissions coming from your supply chain essentially? Well, initially we started and we said the number is just for the conversation 10. Hmm. It wasn't, it was much bigger than that, but it was 10.
0: Right? We we'll used 10. Yeah, it's um, nice nice round-up. We'll use 10. <laughs>
1: As we baselined again, we went, oh, it's 16. And when we baselined again, we went, oh, it's 19. And people were like, oh, we're not getting this right. And we're going, no, we're doing something wrong. What's happening? And you go, what's happening is the information and the data is getting better. So we know the size of the prize. We can make a better diagnosis of the issue which to enhance our capability to then figure out the capacity to do something about it. Mm. so and it's also taking away from what i think is a very australian thing that we do in australian business which is everything must be great everything must be instagrammable everything must be amazing i must be able to put this in and go look what we're doing and aren't we winning this is a (laughs) long it's you don't see anyone coming out from a hashtag perspective going, we didn't kill anyone today on LinkedIn, <laughs> <laughs> right? Which is good. It's a case of saying this is a long game. There's going to be wins, there's going to be losses, there's going to be learnings. And and when you're dealing with ambiguity, like we're doing in an evolving space, you know, you're going to have to have patience You'll and you will fail. There will be times of failure and that's okay. But the best person... I've had a discussion with about this. Was a CEO of Insitec Pivot, very, very good. And they said to me, "What was what does a good customer, a good client, or good supplier look like to this mining house?" And I went, "When we think about sustainability, I went one with problems, because if you've got problems, your systems are working, and you know what you're, and you're finding them, so you can solve them. This is good. Hmm. So." And remembering, I think the biggest thing is we teach leaders, it's not about you. It's about everyone. It's about people and planet and bio, you know, biospheres and ecology that you'll never see, touch, or maybe be exposed to. It's not about you personally. It's about helping others. It's helping the people. It's helping the planet. And that people, planet, and profit are not mutually exclusive concepts, by the way. You can have it all. You can do it. It is possible, and you can do really well out of it. And bring uh, that's another pipe dream. That's a discussion for another day that we've had, <sighs> but you can do it. ESG is the greatest enabler for change culturally, performance-wise, and the way you do business right now today even in an inflationary environment you can use it to be able to save money preserve money and, and create new value right so it's just it, it, it does a lot of good stuff but you have to be patient enough to learn it be curious about to understand it but also be curious about your own business how does it run what does it do and the big challenge is we always say is when you're sitting in an upper leadership position come out of that and move amongst your people move onto the ground really see it and know it feel it and 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 ensure you're doing don't in the immortal lives of public public enemy don't believe the hype don't believe the pr that can come up from with underneath it check make sure you know that yes means yes because otherwise you'll go out to the market and go look how amazing we are and you're going to get done for greenwashing or you're going to get nailed for, for some sort of you know breach of some sort you know so yeah. be vulnerable and it's okay to make mistakes. It's what you do next. Yes. That's important.
0: Well, safety. So safety. Yeah, well, that's it. And I, I appreciate the time. If you stop. see something, say
1: something, right? Like yeah. it's the same thing. Or if you see something and it's happening and it's not right, stop. But it. it's the same thing. This is, there's no difference between when we look at ESG and, and, and safety, there's so much overlap with it. If something bad's happening, stop it. If it's going to cause injury,
0: stop it. You can do and, it. And and record it and identify it, I think, is the...
1: Absolutely. yeah. Um, Don't and... wait till you get to an ICANN.
0: <laughs> um, Joel, mate, thank you. Um, I'm, 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 it, every time I speak to you, and I know I said this to you last week when we, we caught up, but honestly, every time I speak to you, I I, I feel like I learned something. Um, but... And uh, likewise.
1: I enjoy it because somebody else has the same, you know, beard as me. In yeah, well, I
0: I, I I might not be around for too much longer. That's all. I might, it might be, it might be trimming it down. But no, no, thank, thank you, mate. And uh, what I'll do, I'll, I'll obviously put your, uh, your 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 link to LinkedIn in the in the notes and uh, encourage people thank to God. follow you as well um, as a as a good share of content uh, in this space. And. Um, Hello. I'll also add on that. If
1: if people are interested and you want to talk more,
0: reach out. The best thing
1: about ESG right now is the people we're gonna the the solutions are gonna come from us for us by us, right? It's gonna come from people talking. Yeah. And sharing not gonna come from one great innovator in a company somewhere or CEO somewhere. It's actually gonna come through a very collective action. So if you're not sure. Touch base, run your note on LinkedIn. I, I guarantee you'll have a response back to you in twenty four hours. And touch base, and 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 it's again. Don't worry if you go. We have no idea where to start. It's right. Most people don't. Got to do it somewhere and create that path by walking it.
0: So, well, but I I I, I, I do think uh, people can hold you to that as well because uh, you do have a lot of passion for this in the space. But, Joel, uh, <laughs> thanks a lot again for coming on. Insightful as always, and I'm sure um, people can get a lot out of out of listening to this episode.
1: All right, thanks, John. Good to see you.
0: Cheers, mate. Thanks a lot for joining us for another episode of the Safety Leaders Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you reach out and connect with myself as well as Sunstrom Recruitment on LinkedIn. We are the Specialists Health and Safety Recruitment in WA. Um, Looking forward to uh, the next episode and maybe getting to know you. Cheers.